0: Privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply to Opt out.
1: you see on the TV every day, and, and I can speak for myself some of the tragic news that I received. There's still hope in this world, we'll share on today's program. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to our weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. If my voice sounds a little bit weak, a little bit stressed, it probably is because of the kind of weak. This past week, that I've had. This past week, besides all the regular news, had to deal with two situations within my church family. Now, as a number of you know that have listened on a regular basis, I am in ministry and and I'm involved in a small church, shall we say, denominational group. And I had two bits of bad news all in the same all in the same day dear friend and the pastor of a church in St Augustine Florida if you ever had met this man his name is is Greg Bennett if you'd ever met him he always had a smile on his face hope in his heart and gave of himself to his church when he was a layman and before he was ordained into ministry, let's just say a cheerful giver and and did not mind putting in the time and effort. I had been talking to him as recently as last week and we were talking about a number of things. and We were emailing and conversing by text and I was hoping to see him sometime soon at his church in St. Augustine. Well, on Tuesday, as is kind of his normal habit, he took a walk in his neighborhood. Not a very busy area. And he was struck by a a pickup truck. Now, from what I gather, uh, he somehow had stepped off the sidewalk into the path of a truck that was that was turning legitimately, and he was obviously knocked to the ground and hit his head. He was life flighted to a major hospital in in Jacksonville, not far away. And, and as the day progressed on Tuesday, and I'd mentioned this a little bit at the beginning of Wednesday's program. I didn't say anything about it yesterday because honestly I, I had pre recorded yesterday's program because of the interview, not knowing all the details that would come out. So there was no way to really share anything more yesterday, but but things changed. Things changed. We found out on Wednesday, Wednesday evening, the prognosis was extremely grim the trauma to his head was massive and the pressure on his brain just could not be fully relieved and and essentially essentially by by Thursday he was clinically dead now being that he was an organ donor it took a little time to get things in motion and once taken off life support with no brain activity of any kind and and such physical damage, he passed away on on Thursday evening about 9:10 Eastern time. Now, to all of us that that knew and and loved and and I just enjoyed my time over these past few years within this church group, Getting to know Greg and getting to know that church in St. Augustine. It's also the same church that just a little over a year ago, just slightly over a year ago, the pastor there succumbed at a young age to to a heart attack the day after Easter of 2021. And it too broke my heart last year. I mean, we were in Georgia, my wife and I, and of course I I booked the first plane that I could and came south, and I was there for his funeral to help participate. And I'll be doing the same sometime in the not-too-distant future. The arrangements as of now, as I'm putting this program together, are unknown. And so I'm, I'm going to try to get a couple of radio programs ready to go, in the event that I am, I'm suddenly called out of town to conduct a funeral, and so that was bad enough. I mean, Greg was one of those type of individuals. He was in excellent health, had just turned sixty-five, but you'd think he was fifty or forty-five. He looked that good, taking care of himself. He and his wife frequently traveled in the summertime. They they were very prosperous in a home health business that they owned for years, and the opportunity came to retire a little bit early, and they did. During the summer, they had a little vacation home up in Maine, but during that time at the vacation uh, site, he conducted worship services at this at this camping ground and park where they actually owned a small call it a tiny home, their little getaway. Even on vacation, he was active in his ministry. And he will be missed by that church in St. Augustine. He'll be missed by all of his fellow clergy, myself included. But we know that we have that confidence that even in this veil of tears, and the pain that we feel in the loss of a fellow brother in Christ. We shall one day be united again. And also, this past week, I had some other just heartbreaking news. Another clergyman that I know who lives in North Carolina and he and I have gotten to know each other over the past several years. And I'll just say this much. I really believe God has a very unique calling on, on a very special ministry for him in the not-too-distant future. And prior to the pandemic, he and I have been talking about some things we wanted to work on, in, especially in his area where he lived and then, of course, the pandemic put so much of that on hold. He had been doing a podcast, uh, just a wonderful Bible teaching that he was putting out. Just a um, small effort, but a very worthy effort. And then last year in, in March, last year in March, he has an 18-year-old son that is living with him. Who had already been to college, young age. Maybe he was nineteen. I'm, I may be mistaken, but he was he was at home with them, and he had a traumatic uh, event, and and I really can't describe it. It is one of those things where he suddenly had hemorrhaging in in his in his skull, and the pressure was intense, and they found. Their son, who's never never used illicit drugs, was not never drank uh, in, in great health. They found him collapsed on the floor and his eyes just you know, it, it glassed over almost and, and unresponsive. And this is a year ago. and, and they had him rushed to the hospital, of course. And then on to a specialty hospital. And and I can remember last year. I didn't talk about it on this program much. I think I mentioned it in passing. I just didn't know what was going to happen. It was touch and go for a month. And those doctors that had admitted him, those that first worked with him, were convinced that he was going to take a down, you know, a downward turn, yet he held on. They even had to remove part of his skull to do some surgery to relieve that pressure. And as he started to recover, it was uncertain what faculties he may have lost. He was having a hard time speaking, slurring his words. He had a lot of motor skill issues. And the prognosis really didn't look that great. But as time progressed, he gradually started getting his ability to talk again. His motor skills began to improve dramatically. He had some additional surgeries, one to actually put his skull back together And put them, you know, we didn't have to have this special bandage any longer. And I can remember, you know, looking at some things shared around the Christmas season and a couple of other things that were shared earlier this year. Everything, you you couldn't believe the miracle that that family had with their son literally being restored. There's a lot of things I'd like to share on that, but I don't think I need to at the moment. I will at some point in the not-too-distant future. But that sun had come a long way from death's door to being able to you know, drive a car again. I mean, it was just like a miracle. Well, on Tuesday, the same day that I got news that morning about about my clergyman in St. Augustine being struck down and, you know, being knocked to the ground by walking in front of a, of a turning vehicle. I got word that afternoon from my friend up in North Carolina saying, I just wanted to let you know that my son, that my son entered the presence of his Lord following a sudden and unexpected what it appears to be heart failure. And in talking with my friend up in North Carolina, he said it was he said it was strange. He said we had had breakfast that morning and he was getting ready to take care of some things and he was planning to go back to college and work toward his master's degree in teaching he had his whole life ahead of him and they had just spoken minutes before he left and went into, went to his room and it was a little while and he wasn't and they were calling for him and he didn't answer so they just double checked and and there he was he had passed away suddenly and peacefully i know from my friend i know from my friend in north carolina and his precious wife, this has got to be this has got to be devastating. You know it would be for any of us. Losing a child. That's not how it's supposed to be. Our children are supposed to, shall we say, bury us, not the other way around. And a lot of people will say, well why why is God so cruel? Why is he so mean to take that child after all this 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 recuperation and restoration and healing and and, and the amazing comeback. Why now? Why? And I think of the words of St. Paul, we see through a glass dimly. In other words, we really can't see the full picture. We only see what we can see in our time, in our space, with with our abilities. We can't see it all. God knows why. But one of the things that is standing out as a testimony to me is how my friend up in North Carolina, his faith, his faith is unshaken. He is still confident, as he says, we will miss him in this brief vapor of life St. Paul used that term too this life is but a vapor here today gone tomorrow we will miss him in this life in this vapor of life now we'll miss him and yes it, it hurts yet we will see him in that great reunion their faith is strong Now, look, I I know the human emotion side of it, and I've shared this on the program before. Back in 2002, my, my wife had had a diagnosis of cancer, and we fought it valiantly, and she had many a victory. But by 2004, it came back as brain cancer, and she was gone in a matter of a few weeks. So I know the pain of losing a spouse. I've never had to deal with losing a child. And and honestly, I don't know if I could have ever survived that. It was hard enough on me emotionally, yet over time, God bought me through. And and, and my feelings and my hurt were so healed. I mean, yes, do I miss that, that woman I was married to for almost 30 years? Yeah, of course I do. But once again, in God's time, it all comes together. In fact, for a season after her passing, I took a lengthy sabbatical away from ministry. At that time, I had been the pastor primarily of a church and still worked part-time in radio. I started in radio 50 years ago this month. Part-time job that became full-time, helped pay my way through tech school, and that's what I did until God opened the doors a little over 25 years ago to add ministry to that. But I needed to get away from from day-to-day church work because I had a, a heart that needed healing, obviously. And so at first, I, I fell back into doing just radio work. I actually did it. I've done engineering and on air for years, and I did some engineering, but then I also decided I had an opportunity to do some talk radio for a while, and and I, I really enjoyed that. And I I got back into planning churches and helping with that, and I saw some good things and bad things. Another program for another day. But I got to a point that I needed to even get away from it again. I just wasn't I just wasn't ready. And radio, well, it was all right. But it, I just needed something a little different. And I had a job apply for me, not the other way around. And it was with a county in South Carolina to be a public information officer because I had media relationships and I knew people in the business of radio and even newspaper, TV. To be a public information officer for the emergency management division of a county which ended up underneath the sheriff's office which opened up all kinds of horizons for training and I got into planning and everything else so so for several years I was away from radio and I was away from active ministry working in emergency management and that was fun for a while but you get tired of working at the speed of government so I decided the time had come to move on and, and get back toward ministry and, and the things that I, I enjoy the most. And I, I had already I planned for an early retirement, if at all possible, so I would have more time for, shall we say, ministry endeavors. And, and so I did that in 2014, headed headed back to Florida. I had been in the Carolinas. And over time, God has really healed my heart. It had been a very difficult journey between 2004 and 2014. In many ways, a journey I would never want to repeat again at all, but got through it. And so life is a little different now. But everything about this week, and I know that I seem like I'm just sharing from the heart. I I hope this is getting through to you. With my friend Greg. With my friend Ian that died last year, unexpectedly. With my friend who suddenly and tragically and surprisingly lost his son. It becomes a constant reminder... That life has no guarantees. We generally do not know our expiration date when our time is up. When our time in this life is to come to its natural conclusion. And it's what we do. There's a guy that I knew that preached a, a sermon one time, and I remember this, and I want to share what he had said. It's called Between the Dashes. Between the Dash. If you've ever looked at a tombstone or memorial, it'll show something like, you know, September the 20th, 1925, and then a dash, and then it'll show maybe March of 20, you know, uh, 2007 or, or whatever. You know, you see... The day somebody came into this world and the day that they left this world. The day they died. And so what's in between? What is the dash? The dash is the life that you have lived. What have you done between those two dates? From the day you were born to the day that you die. What is, what is in that dash? What are the things that are going to really count in your life, in that dash. And I'm recognizing, at least for me, and I I can't speak for you, but I know, at least for me, there are a lot of things that I've done in that dash of life. Let's go back to 1972. I finished up high school. I'm a top 40 disc jockey, and I'm loving it. My goal in life is to learn both the broadcast engineering side and become one of those great announcers on some big, high-powered, monstrous 50,000-watt radio station, you know, reaching like 38 states and four provinces of Canada kind of thing. And that, that that was my goal. But then again, I was 17 at the time. When I graduated high school, I was 17. When I went on to when I went on to tech school, I was still 17. When I left home, I was 17. Getting my own place to live, having to pay my own bills, having to have a job and, you know, take care of my little tuition. Life was different back then. And over the next several years, that Dream of mine kept getting buffeted, changed, pushed. You know, I really think God's hand was in so much of what happened in those earlier years. Yeah, I did experience working on air in a major market. I did become the chief engineer in a major market. So I achieved certain goals within the first eight years of my career. And guess what? I really wasn't happy. It was okay. It was fun, but I, I never felt really. Oh, there were there are moments of glory when you're on the radio. There are moments of glory when you build a new radio station or upgrade something. Yeah, all that stuff. I get it. And then I went to work for a transmitter manufacturer, and and really learned a lot. I mean, you you talk about the baptism by fire experience in, in learning broadcast equipment, wait till you build some of the stuff. Then you understand every component, how it went in there, and what it's for. And I look now at where I'm at in my life, if it hadn't been for all those experiences, being on air, learning the technical side, working for a manufacturer. But even then, I had gotten to a place in life, where there was something missing. This is probably you know like the mid '80s. I mean, I, I'm now eighty, 1982, 1983. I'm 11 years. I've got I've got some you know, college and tech school behind me. I've got you know pushing 10 years on air experience. And an engineering experience, I, I got like 30 years experience in a period of like six or seven. I mean, I was it was just an unusual opportunity. God opened doors that I never anticipated. And then one day, one day, I, I just felt like this is not where I need to be. And God kept putting on my heart, it is time to move on. Now, look, at the time that I worked for that particular manufacturer, my job was real secure. Trust me. Extremely secure. As long as the company was in existence, I was going to have a good job. And I was paid quite well for that job. When I look back, you know, with an inflation calculator, it was a really good paying job. When I look back today to what that money would be worth today. But God just laid it on my heart. It's time to go. Now, my wife, you know, my late wife was from a little town called Toccoa, Georgia. That's where I met her way back in 1975. And I was working at a local radio station, but I was very aware of a small Christian school on that was in Toccoa, called Toccoa Falls Institute at that time. And... When we got to, and, and during my time with the transmitter manufacturer, we had visited Tacoa a number of times. she still had family there. And one time I actually had to make a, tr- a service trip for the company that I worked for, turned out that, the, that that school had built a non-commercial radio station, actually pretty high powered, had one of our transmitters and was wanting to do an upgrade. And I went up there to Tacoa, took my wife with me, visited and God just laid it on my heart, this is where you need to be. They offered me a job. I took a, ma- a big pay cut, and we ended up in Tacoa for what was going to be about a year, year and a half. My wife had had some health issues, so it seemed like a good idea to be near family, and, and I'd be working for this little college, and I could afford to do this, and I'll, I'll go back to my other job in about a year or so. So we just leased a small house for the year. Fourteen years later, we we're still there. And I'm also training for the ministry. And I become ordained in the ministry in 1996. So it was a whirlwind time that only God could have orchestrated. And, and that led to, I built them a network, ended up being the pastor of several churches that, I, that God allowed me to watch grow. It was a phenomenal time. God has a plan and purpose for all of us, but we don't know. We know in this life that first date, and now we're living in the dash. Most of us never know when that end date's going to be, though as we get older, we recognize it becomes closer. Oh, sure, I'd like to live to be in my late 80s. I'd love to be active in doing things like I'm doing now until I'm 80 years old, if I can. I know that even for a radio program like this, there could be a day that the time is, is over for doing this radio program. You know it and I know it. And my real goal in life right now is to make sure that regardless of my future, that if the Lord should tarry, that this ministry will still remain. See, honestly, this ministry, and God has laid a lot of things in my heart, and I just feel like I've got to get busy doing all these things that that are in front of me. This radio program is just a small part God is putting people into my life and has been for the past several months that I'm talking to. You're going to be hearing a lot of guests on this program. And look, Jim Calhoun has been just a blessing, especially during this time. He's preparing to have some programs ready for me if and when I have to pick up and head off to take care of the funeral arrangements up in St. Augustine, which could be sometime this coming week just don't know exactly when as of the time of putting this radio program together. I don't know. And then I know I need to spend time with that congregation, Maybe a, maybe make a trip or two, maybe on this trip. I don't know. I need to spend some time with them. Then I need to spend some time with my friend in North Carolina, another friend who now is in Georgia who is also a ministry, has reached out. And I see a lot of my ministry side really beginning to, to dominate my life. And that's a good thing. I love doing this radio program. Not from, my, not from an egotistical point of view. But, but I pray that maybe just one person, maybe a dozen, maybe a hundred, I don't know, whether by podcast or on air, something is moved inside of those that listen. And they hear something. You know, I was going to do some news at the beginning of this program today and I just don't feel like it. I don't want to deal with the news today. I just don't want to do it. We have enough trouble in this life. We need to learn how to overcome the troubles of this life. Stop living in fear. It's like it's like people this past week when, when the... Uh, when the judge in Florida said, a federal judge, uh, the, the mask mandate in the airliners and transportation, uh, it's, it's not legal. And people started taking off their mask, but there was that small handful that are holding on to those things because they are firm believers in the magic mask. The magic mask will save me because you will kill me. Yet there's no study to prove that. A lot of people are living in fear. A lot of people are living in fear. Fear of the virus, fear of the economy, fear of World War III, our government, food shortages. Yeah, we can talk about all of that, and I I will next week. We'll be talking about a lot of that. I've got some excellent guests that are lined up that I'll be recording actually, you know, after I finish this program. I have other interviews to get ready for next week to have on, on the program. But God is opening several doors. And and I know that I can't, you know, ignore it. I know that I can't just put it off. I can't procrastinate. Yeah, why do today what you can put off till next week? I can't do that. I feel very compelled that God is opening up a window of opportunity for so many of us in ministry. And while we have time, We need to open, uh, use this opening for God's glory. Now, as far as this radio program is concerned, yes, it is heard on shortwave radio, primarily on WRMI. I think currently there are four airings a day, except for Wednesday where there are three. Unfortunately, I can't get the 10 p.m. Eastern time uh, on Wednesday. It was already long gone before I came along. But I'm thankful for the airtime that we have. And I'm very thankful for the new frequency of 9455 5 kilohertz. It is reaching Nevada. It is reaching Utah. It is reaching New Mexico, Arizona, California, Oregon, Washington State, into two or so provinces of Canada, up to Alaska, out to Hawaii, and even into Australia. So I'm thankful for that opportunity. The frequency 5950 gives me a good half or better of the United States heading straight up East Coast, Midwest, and 9395, same thing. So we're thankful for these opportunities, and we're praying for a couple of more doors to open. I think there might be a few more frequencies. We're also on KVOH, which is the Voice of Hope, broadcasting on 9975 kilohertz out of me Valley area of California, heading uh, toward the southeastern United States and Caribbean, and we pay for that airtime there. We we are in. We pay for the airtime everywhere. And and what I want to do this month, and I've got to know, where should I be investing the limited resources this program gets? Uh, where where is the best way to use? what you, what has been provided and to cover the expenses that have been made and the commitments. So if you'll let me know how you listen, by the way, podcast is growing and I'm thankful for that. And as long as that door is open, I am going to use it. No doubt in my mind, I will continue to use the podcast as long as that door is open. Let me know if you'll email me if that's easy, if you want to email me and I'm not building an email list, I'm not going to be sending you emails, send money. I'm not going to do that. I just don't feel I should do that. But if you'll just send me an email, Bob at truth, the number two ponder dot com, Bob at truth, the number two ponder dot com. And let me know. It'll be a great help to me if you'd rather use the regular mail. Our address while we are in Florida and probably for the foreseeable future, this is a secure box system uh, to to allow our travel so things don't just get sitting in a post office box or somewhere where it can be stolen, is make the check payable. If you're going to help us financially, make it payable to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio, and mail it to Truth to Ponder, 5753 Highway 85 North. That's 5753 Highway 85 North. And the secure box there is 3248. That's 3248. And the city is Crestview. One word, Crestview. Crestview, Florida. And the zip code 32536. Once again, make the check payable to Ancient Word Radio. Mail it to Truth to Ponder 5753. Highway 85 North, number 3248, Crestview, Florida. And the zip code is 32536. Now listen, we've gone way over on this first segment. And I want to change gears in the next segment of the program. A little bit more hope. A little bit more good news. We're bombarded with bad news all the time. And yet, in spite of it all, in spite of it all, we still have hope this is truth to ponder with
0: bob beerman the power to leap over Shalom Alechem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Khan, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're really going to love in a moment. In the book of Corinthians, Messiah is called our Passover. His name is actually Passover. Now, what does that come from? In the Hebrew, Passover comes from the word Pesach. Pesach means one of the meanings is to leap, to leap over. See, to live in Messiah is to and live in Passover. To live in Passover is in Pesach. And to live in Pesach means you have the power to leap over. So, Messiah, you've got the power to leap over. problem is most believers don't ever use it. they got problems they've been dealing with it for the same years. Same obstacle, same sin, same habit, same discouragement. See, they keep on bumping their head against the same wall, the same rock, the same mountain. But in Messiah there's something better than that. You have the power to leap over. It doesn't matter. The word is not limited by the size of the obstacle in your life. It doesn't matter how big the wall or the mountain is. Messiah, you've got the power to leap over it. it doesn't matter how big the sin is or how long it's been in your life. It doesn't matter how great the guilt is. You've got the power to leap over all of that. See, Messiah did not die as the Passover lamb, so you could keep living your life pretty much as you did before. He gave you the power to leap over. Use it. Stop dealing with that problem and start leaping over it. Stop staying in that sin and learn how to leap over it. Stop giving into that temptation and start leaping over it leap, learn how to leap, leap over the darkness, the bondage, leap over that trap, leap over the temptation, leap for joy onto the high places. Because in Messiah, you're not here just to be struggling in sin. You're here to learn how to leap. In Messiah is the Pesach. That's the power for you to leap over anything. Want more? Ask for the Pesach mystery on CD now, the free gift for you. What if you did discover the place where the lost ark of the covenant was? Well, a newly revealed ancient discovery, just as awesome, the mystery of the temple doors on CD, you're going to love it, and it's our free gift to you, and Sapphire's daily spiritual vitamins, guaranteed to revitalize your walking God. It's a free subscription with with all sorts of things, end time prophecy, and whatever else, or a free New Testament. How do you get all this free? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real name, Yeshua, and you call it. That's it. So, receive your free gifts. Just call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed, but call now, 1 1 Hundred Y E S that's Yeshua Y E S H U A and the number one. Now the Jewish people brought you the blessings of salvation. I invite you to join with me to bring it back to them to bless those who blessed you and reach the unreached peoples from every nation. Just call one eight hundred Yeshua one that's Yeshua Y E S H U A one. You can literally cover the earth with the gospel. It's amazing. Or write me direct. Here's how: It's right to the nice Jewish boy box one 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 one. It's in Lodi L O D I New Jersey 07644. That's box one 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 one. It's Lodi. New Jersey, and it's 076 44. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, Leap, my friend, for joy and over that problem in Messiah HaPesach, our Passover lamb.
1: This is truth to ponder. With Bob Beerman. And welcome back to part two of our weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Beerman. I know that normally so many of you listen for the news, the news clips and and commentary on, on the news of the day. But today I just want to get away from it. I have to get away from it. If you were tuning in the first half of the program, you I shared the experiences that I've gone through this week with two very dear friends, lost one in a tragic accident. I just think, as I started to tell you before, imagine you know getting up, beautiful day, wonderful day for a walk, and you have so many things to look forward to. You just finished as a pastor a wonderful Easter. The wonderful Easter service this past Sunday. And you're looking forward to this summer, spending some time doing some other ministry work and a little bit of vacation. Your health is good, nothing seems to be wrong in your world. And one accidental misstep and your life is over. Now we don't understand why. And we get angry about things like that. Why did you let him walk on the road, God? How could that be? Why did my child die? God, it's my other friend in North Carolina just experienced the same day. Last year, why did you take my best friend in ministry away? Why did you take my wife away? We, we go through all these, these things and emotions. I understand that. I've been through it, and I know many of you have too. During the break, My mind drifted back to a time many, many years ago in the 1970s. It was one of those experiences in life that I will never, ever forget as long as I live. Now, I told you that I had lived at one time and then again another time in Toccoa, Georgia, back in the early 1970s. I got married, lived in Toccoa, moved away within a year or so to pursue my big career in Atlanta. Where I did news, I covered presidential elections, and did all kinds of stuff. Then I opted to go to a radio station not far from Toccoa, Georgia, in South Carolina. Great opportunity to do the morning radio program and, and get into sales and, and do, you know, making a decent income. Working my way up that food chain. That was my goal, as I mentioned in the first part of the program. I was going to get to that big station someday. Well, it was kind of a strange weekend in, in November. My wife and I used to occasionally listen to the radio station, the FM radio station out of Toccoa, Georgia, sometimes on a, on a Saturday evening. And just because we had lived there and we knew the people, and we just I had a nice stereo system and had a little outside antenna, I could pick it up nicely. And so, you know, one Saturday night, we had been listening to the radio, went to bed. I was used to getting up really early in the morning because of my regular morning program, Monday through Friday. I was getting up at like 3:30 quarter of four. And on that Sunday morning, I woke up and I couldn't go back to sleep. It's about three, three fifteen. So I thought, oh, I'll just go to the other room. Don't want to wake my wife up. And I I decided to put the radio on for a few minutes. And I just hit the button, turned the volume down, and and I was expecting to have to change the dial setting because the radio station in Tokoa normally went off the air at eleven o'clock at night. Came on the air the next morning would come on the air at six or seven on a Sunday morning. So I'm getting ready to, but the radio station is on. And I'm going, what, is the, what are they doing? And I'm hearing a radio announcer. I know the guy, worked with him. And he's talking about so many people dead and this and road closures. I'm, oh, what in the world is going on? This is November, early November 1977. It had been raining quite a bit in the upstate of South Carolina and across North Georgia for, you know, days. It was just unusually rainy and chilly and, you know, blustery fall. Above the campus of Toccoa Falls Institute, now known as Toccoa Falls College, there was a man-made lake of about, oh, 100 and some odd acres and a small earthen dam. It had been there since like 1907 or something. And there was, from that dam, there was a small creek called Tocoa Creek that came down, then came down a 186-foot-tall waterfall. It's a beautiful waterfall. If you have computer access, look up Toccoa Falls, T-O-C-C-O-A, Toccoa Falls. It is a beautiful location. In fact, that's the place that I proposed to my, my late wife at the base of those waterfalls. And I've been there a number of times. Well, apparently because of all the rain, the earthen dam became unstable and it broke. And all of the water of that 180, 100 and some odd acre lake came spilling over that waterfall and came through the campus, part of the campus with a wall of water 30 feet high came through some dormitories killed some students there was an area they used to call Trailerville where a lot of married students had little mobile homes on the campus and many of them were wiped out 39 people died in those early morning hours when I heard the news on the radio I got in my little car, grabbed my tape recorder, went down to Toccoa, where I knew a lot of people because I had worked there. And I walked through the valley helping to see if they could find bodies. And and what a mess. Early that afternoon, I had the opportunity of flying in a helicopter with Rosalind Carter, the, the wife of President Jimmy Carter, to survey the damage from the air. It was a life-changing experience for a young guy like me to be up close and personal, not by a TV screen or reading it in the newspaper, but to see devastation like I had never seen it before. It changed my perspective on life. And who would have believed that 10 years later I'd be working for that very same college for their radio ministry, and I was there when they put up a huge memorial on the 10th anniversary of the flood that claimed those lives on that campus. And to talk to spouses and family members of those that had died and the hope that they had in spite of it all. There's a book called Dam Break in Georgia. And there's a woman who, when I worked at Toccoa Falls, she was still there. And I got to know her. She was getting on in years. In the 1980s she was probably in her early 70s, maybe a little older than that. And when her husband when the flood came through and they were in one of the mobile homes, they actually were one that because they did maintenance and whatever on the campus, they also had a mobile home there. When the home was torn apart and the husband washed away from from their mobile home, she survived. And he was gone. Yet, at the graveside funeral, her hope and her faith was still unshaken. And and I remember talking to her on the campus as she reflected back that the Lord just laid on her heart as they stood at the graveside as the pastor had finished his final prayer. She had a beautiful singing voice. And this hymn came to her mind, and she started to sing this very hymn.
2: Sometimes the day seems long I try soon I uh...
3: Life's day will soon be o'er all.
1: What a song, what a hymn of encouragement for those that believe. I know that many times I spent a lot of this program dealing with the news and information you need. And we'll continue to do that as a part of the program. But I mentioned several weeks ago that I really believe from time to time we need to really step back, really step back. And find out where we actually have hope. The news of the day is always bad. There's no doubt in my mind. People lie. Governments lie. Corporations lie. I get it. You know it and I know it. This world is really an evil place. It's not naturally good. But as I listened to those words, my, my mind went back to 1 John chapter 3. And I want to just share a few words from from 1 John, chapter 3. Let's begin at verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Let me stop right there. The world is... They've rejected Jesus, the Savior. They they don't mind the Bethlehem baby, but they don't want to talk about the cross and and the resurrection and the victory over death and the grave and sin. They don't want to talk about that because that means they're not like, as we talked about, Yavel Noah Harari, who is with the World Economic Forum, says, we are gods. We can become like God. That sounds like the arrogance of, In the Garden of Eden, it sounds like the arrogance at the Tower of Babel and all throughout Scripture, those that are at war with God, they want to be God. And those that know Jesus Christ, we know we're not gods, but we know that we have a Father that loves us, and we know this sin-distorted world will never be fair. We understand that. Early Christians expected to be killed for their faith. Lazy American Christians get upset about church being on at the same time as the Super Bowl. We've fallen a long way. But getting back to 1 John chapter 3, verse number 2. Beloved, now we are the sons of God. And I want you to think about this. This is the verse that came to mind as I'm listening to It Will Be Worth It All when we see Christ beloved now we are the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure You know, there's nothing we can do to earn God's love, his salvation, and his free gift. There's nothing we can do. The price has been paid. Like it says in in verse 7, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he may destroy the works of the devil. We see the works of the devil in full play in our world today. Pedophiles, literally wanting to groom children from kindergarten in the third grade. Disney, you see their executives. We played some audio cuts. I'll play some next week. How they want to have more homosexual content, more sexual content in cartoons for little kids. It's an evil time. It's an evil world. And I'll be talking more about how we break away next week. Listen, if you believe in this radio ministry, would you help us financially to stay on the air? Make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio. Ancient Word Radio. Mail it to Truth to Ponder, 5753 Highway 85 North. 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. We are in Crestview, Crestview, Florida. And the zip code is 32536. That's 32536. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth